Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Maria Mana. She is a singer and songwriter based in Victoria, BC. How are you doing today, Maria? I'm great. How are you, Brad? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share with us a bit about your story and your journey here on the Empowerography podcast and being a part of the community. Thank you. I appreciate that. My pleasure. So, Maria, as I mentioned, you're a singer, songwriter, but you're also a director, a playwright, a philanthropist, an ordained minister, and you've also done some acting. This is quite the extensive resume you have. How do you find and make the time to fit all this stuff into your life, Maria? Well, listen, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm 60 years old. So 60 years is a long time to do a whole bunch of different things. I know that some people have a career and it spans their whole lifetime. Uh-huh. I've just had the opportunity to, you know, dip into a whole bunch of different things. And it's, I, it's just made my life very rich. I love it. Let's start with your first love, which is obviously music. Did you grow up in a musical household? I did and I didn't. I mean, okay. my father, he sang, you know, he had a he had a quasi break singing on a ship when he came over from Italy and uh, you know, was getting discovered but didn't take that opportunity and my mother sang in a choir in um in Italy. So there was that background. Yeah. And you know, we always had music in the house. But I think I'm the only one, I am the only one who's ever done anything with it in my family. Okay. Now, how long have you been performing, Maria? Well, you know, this is what we say. You're a professional when you start getting paid. So I started, (laughs) I started getting paid when I was 18 years old. I had an Italian wedding band. So since I was 18 years old. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Who who are some of your musical influences? You know, I had the opportunity to meet two incredible musicians and singers and and writers. One was Tony Bennett, the other one was Paul Anka. Oh and Tony Bennett, wow. I I flew with him from LaGuardia to Toronto. Oh, and wow. I sat next to him and uh-huh. he told me stories and we spoke about Italy and he was so cute. Doesn't he didn't really realize how not high up there I am in the industry. And he said, you know, do you know, he mentioned some famous Canadian singers. Yeah. And I said, Oh, sure. sure. <laughs> Diana Crawl and Katie Lang. Oh, yeah, sure. I know them. <laughs> what was yeah. that like for you meeting these? I mean, these two names, they are huge. In of course, adult contemporary jazz music and and whatnot. What was that like for you? I mean, I've always heard that, 
you should never meet your idols and or the people you admire. You know, I think when it when it comes to the music industry, I feel that it would be different than let's say if I met Robert De Niro. You know, I love to see Robert De Niro in his roles to actually meet him and have a conversation with him. I don't think I think that that would ruin it for me. Yeah. But a singer, you know, a performer, what they do on stage comes from their soul, I believe. And and it's an expression of who they are. And I think they always still carry that with them. Oh. So meeting Tony Bennett was, you know, and Paul Anka, it was like I got to have a glimpse into their soul through their eyes when I sat with them. Amazing. What type of music do you personally like listening to? When you sit down to listen to music. Uh, so, you know, I'm very heavily Italian influenced. Yeah. So we listened to Italian music, you know, growing up. But I would have to say I love classical and I love opera. Okay. You know, of course, I love jazz. I, I yes. sing jazz and my Italian music. But if I had to sit and relax, I would either want to listen to an opera piece or uh, Beethoven or yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How long have you been writing songs and do you write both music and lyrics? So I don't read music per se, and I don't write music, but okay. what I do when I come up with a song and, and the process for me is there's a ditty in my head, right? And it's, yeah. um, there's a little something, something going on and it's a, and I'm thinking, wow, that, you know, that could be something. So I'll record myself singing that okay. and it'll be a stanza, right? Yep. Or it could be an A-A-B-A. So verse, verse, chorus, verse, just humming it. And then I'll throw words in it. Then I'll take it to a pianist and I'll say, you know, here's what I laid out. Can you put some chords to it? And we'll yeah. work on chords. And that's basically the process. So I've been doing that. You know, I started writing jingles in Edmonton. And that's how I started, you know, writing, writing oh, music. Okay. Yeah. Okay, jingles for, for TV commercials and whatnot? No, for the Italian radio program. Oh, okay. But in English, it was it was just a real cute city center meets the place to go for beef, you know, and all the meats you love to eat. It's always fresh and guaranteed at city center. That's a place for city center meats. (laughs) Bravo. God, I still remember that one. That's hilarious. (laughs) Do you play any musical instruments? I don't. I grew up not having the opportunity to, you know, it just was never a thing for my family. They didn't think anybody would make a living at the art in the arts unless you slept your way to the top. And so, of course, you know, they discouraged that. So we didn't have piano lessons or any or singing lessons. So we just, yeah, just worked on it by myself. Okay. Yeah. Because, of course, I mean parents of that era you cannot it is impossible there's no way you can make money at art whether it be painting music photography it's just it's not going to happen that that was their mindset right yeah (laughs) yeah 
for sure. You know, I've, I I wanted to mention that I've met like Tony Bennett, Polanka, but the people that I've actually worked with, like Alfie Zappacosta, I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah, I've worked with him. I worked with Tommy Banks, who was you know a renowned pianist in in Edmonton, and two years ago, well before COVID started, I was scheduled to do two shows with Diane Shore. Wow. And now, yeah, do you know who she is? Yes. Yeah, she's, we just spoke this morning and we're trying to, you know, put that show back together again. So I've had some really wonderful opportunities. I remember opening for the Beach Boys in Edmonton one year and really? they were not, they were not very nice people. Like no. Any, no, I think they were just, but you know what, that was probably the only sour experience I've had in my career. I've had a good time. I was going to say like with that I would think or I wonder if that would jade people because again as I mentioned before I've always heard that you should never meet your idols because it, mm-hmm. it just it will be just it could be potentially very disappointing and and sour you towards meeting any others. Right, I just thought either these guys are having a bad day or walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah. Uh, you know cuz I don't I don't know what they're going through. Maybe they think you know, I was small fry too. I mean, I yeah. wasn't anything. If I had a bigger name, you know, I think they would have paid more attention. But right. anyway, but it was an experience. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Now, I read that you were the first female in the province of, of Alberta to record an entire album in Italian, which of course yep. is your first language. When was that album recorded? In 93. 93, okay. And yeah. what was it called? Solo Amore. Solo Amore. Yeah. Excellent. How was that experience going into the studio and recording? And So the studio was in a guy's basement. Okay. He like spent back in 93, he spent about $150,000 wow. creating a room in a room because yeah. basically that's what it is. And just state of the art for that time. It was amazing. I, I felt intimidated though, because he was the director and he was, the engineer and all that. So he would tell me to do things that I kind of didn't want to do, like, you know, sing it this way. And I yeah. didn't really want to, but, and you know, it was a little cheesy, but it was an experience that I'll never forget. It was the first time in a studio. So mm-hmm. it was pretty impressive. So are you happy with the, the final product when you look back on that now? When I look back at it, I thought, I think now, geez, that really needs like, you know, we need a better keyboard. We need (laughs) got to pull back on the guitars. That solo was way too long. You know, I mean, yeah, but it's like, like anything you look back 20, 30, 40 years and you, you know, you look at it with fresh eyes and you could always make improvements. For sure. Now you're an award-winning jazz, blues and gospel vocalist. I assume that jazz and blues are your forte, you've worked alongside, alongside some pretty legendary names in the industry, as you mentioned. Can you tell us about that experience for you, working with these people and actually being side by side and working with them? Yeah, sure. Like I was talking about Alfie Zappacosta. When he first in the 90s moved from Montreal to Edmonton, oh. he was there to, you know, he wanted to raise a family in a smaller city and back then believe it or not that was a smaller city right and so he he was just a regular guy 
And Italian is my first language. So for me to be able to speak to someone of his caliber in our language was so fascinating. And he was, he was just like this normal guy. And, (laughs) and you know what he did for me? He recognized that I had talent and that I, I really appreciated. Didn't matter where he came from, what his experiences were. He recognized me as a singer, like he was a singer. And that made me feel comfortable. And of course, then I, I wasn't nervous. Also working with Tommy Banks. Tommy Banks came to our house to, to rehearse because I was going to do a show with him. Okay. And PJ Perry and all these monster cats. I was like, I cleaned the house. I had every kind of beverage available. <laughs> you know, I, just, I was just so, and then he just sat down at the piano and he said, sing. And we did, and we played together, and it was, they're just normal people. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What's your, what's your latest album, and when was it recorded and released? I think it was in 2017, and it's called With Love. What lights you up or inspires you the most about being a vocalist, recording, and performing artist? Yeah, you know, putting a show together, just the process of thinking up of a show And putting that together, just the whole process. Like, for instance, I'm working on a Judy Garland show. And, you know, a lot goes into it. It's not just, you know, finding her songs, memorizing them and finding a good band. It's, I need to get the outfits. You know, I need to lose a couple pounds. I, you know, I want to add story to the show. And that just, I don't know, that I, I just get into this world And the process is wonderful. The other thing that really lights my soul is when I've worked with a student and then launching him or her. That just makes me just so happy that I was a participant in the success of that person. Yeah, that's got to be an incredible feeling to see them go from point A to point B in their journey. Yeah. Take off and kind of grow wings, for lack of a better term. Right. Fly out, right? Yes. You are a big advocate for helping others in the music industry. I read mm-hmm. that you spearheaded Vancouver Island's Got Talent. Can you talk a bit about that experience and how that all came to be? I was in the shower one day <laughs> <laughs> and I had a friend who wanted to work with me and he was a really good guy, good Christian man and loved his family, loved his wife. And I just felt so comfortable talking with this guy. We were like brother and sister. And I got out of the shower and I phoned him and I said, I know what we're going to do. And he said, what? We're going to create Vancouver Island's Got Talent. He said, we are. And I said, absolutely. It's going to be fun. It's going to be incredible. And I don't know what it looks like yet, but it's going to be great. (laughs) So I got some great sponsors And it was to raise funds for a bursary I created at the Conservatory of Music for kids that can't afford music lessons. So we did 13 elimination shows, just like just like whatever America's Got Talent Talent or Britain's Got Talent or whatever it is. I had great judges. I had Mike Reno. Wow. (laughs) I had Jeff Neal from... uh, Streetheart. I had Trooper. I had all these guys. Supporting. 
Yeah, I had Mike Frazier, engineer in Vancouver, who works with all the metal bands. And anyway, so I had the support from all these people across Canada. And it was great. So guess what? The person who won the whole competition was Sky Mundell who is probably 75% deaf with hearing aids. He is blind. He's got palsy and he's autistic. And he won the whole thing. And what he won was a contract to perform at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. And then he opened for Michael Bolton. Holy crow. That's incredible. So, so it was, it was a really successful show. We um, raised some good money. I think we, in the, um, in the bursary, I think we ended up with about 15 or $20,000. That so. is incredible to give back and help kids because I think that art and music is so important for children. Yes, absolutely. That's phenomenal. So was that just a one-off thing or are you going to do it again or? That was in 2010. Oh, that man. took up probably about eight months. Yeah. But I, yeah, that, you know, it kind of ran its course. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm just, yeah, there's always a show around the corner. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Let's talk a bit about your philanthropic work, Maria. Sure. Why is doing this type of work so important to you personally? You know, I, I really feel lucky in my life. I've had, I've had a good life and I've always felt the need to give back and I'm just grateful. So if there's anywhere I can help or anyone I can help, I will do it. And, you know, I created a couple of charities that we'll probably talk about later, but I just, I just, yeah, it's just the desire to give back. How long have you been involved in this type of work? And was there something in particular that inspired you to get started as a philanthropist? Okay. Let me tell you this, Brad. I was six six years old. (laughs) I was, six years old I couldn't even speak English because we we didn't speak English at home but we had a little record player yeah and my neighbor who was also Italian but had a lot of English influence brought over some 45s okay and I wanted to put on a concert Uh and raise funds for the poorest kid on the block and her name was Carol, we called her little Carol. There were five kids in that family. So I charged everybody a penny to come <laughs> to the show and all the proceeds went to little Carol. I love so, it. But little Carol had five kids in her family. Yeah. And so the five pennies came from them. And so there was only really about seven pennies. So they made <laughs> money. <laughs> but that's but- how it started. <laughs> That's hilarious. At six years old, you're you were a philanthropist then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, as you mentioned, you founded a few charities and organizations and worked with many others, of course. Can you talk yeah. about a bit about the ones you founded and tell us about a highlight for you personally of one in organization that you've worked with and that really sticks out for you? Sure. I'm a co-founder for UGEMS, which is Universal Jazz Advocates and Mentors Society. And we founded that in about 04 and became a charity, I believe, with status in, I think it was 2013. So that organization continues to mentor and educate people, youngsters and older people in the jazz 
music industry. There's camps that, well, now with COVID, we couldn't do it last yeah, year. Of course. But I don't know if it's going to happen this year. But we've had a couple of successful camps. And so, yeah, so that that felt good to create that. And then just this February, I received charity status for something else I created, and that's the BC Vocalist Society, where we help vocalists here in British Columbia who are needing support of whatever kind, whether it's, you know, uh, they can't financially afford maybe one or two months of rent, or they need help with their groceries or whatever. So that it's still in its infancy. So we're hoping to have some fundraisers and raise some funds so that we can help these vocalists. That's amazing. I love it. Mm -hmm. You've also done some acting, producing and directing. Can you yes. tell us a bit about your experience with all three and which one of those three sticks out for you as your favorite? Do you acting, producing or directing? So I did some acting and I wasn't really fond of it <laughs> because it was a reason. I just I don't know. It's acting is pretending and I don't like to pretend. So and that was the movie called The Engagement Ring. Okay. Where I worked alongside Patricia, oh my God, what's her name from Everybody Loves Ray Raymond. Oh, <laughs> yes. yeah. I and what her name is, but yes, Patricia Heaton and Lainey Kazan from my big fat Greek wedding. Oh. So, um, yeah, so I worked with them and I was also a vocal coach for Lainey Kazan, both for helping her enunciate Italian words and helping her sing an Italian song that she performed in the movie. And that was memorable because I got to meet some pretty big people. I was a principal actor. I got to have steak and lobster. I had my, (laughs) you know, and that, that was fun. And then I also created Maria Mana City Chat, which was five episodes here in Victoria. And there I had the opportunity to create a show, produce it and direct it. And that was really exciting to actually, you know, come up with a concept, much like I did with Vancouver Island's Got Talent, and bring it to fruition, you know. And then most recently, my most recent production was producing Tony and Tina's Wedding. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have heard of Tony and Tina. That was big here. That was playing in one of the theaters here in downtown Toronto years ago. And it had quite a long run here, too. Oh, it's it was a lot of fun. I got to produce it and uh, be a part of it i was the mother of the bride <laughs> so it gave me the opportunity to talk with my long island <laughs> accent <laughs> so that was a lot of fun too <laughs> you're hilarious that's awesome <laughs> now as i mentioned previously you're also an ordained minister what inspired you to become an ordained minister and how long have you been doing that So I've been an ordained minister for four years. I don't have my own church. I do belong to Abba Ministries. I just, you know, I'm a Christian. Uh, I was born and raised Italian Roman Catholic. Yes. But, you know, I just wanted to just get closer with my faith and try to help more people. There's so many people that are lost out there. And I just thought, you know, if I can help the poor and help the lost and, and the sad and the lonely and the sick. I just felt it was a calling and I still do, you know, again, with the lockdowns and things like that, yes, I can't go so anywhere, but I, you know, June 10th, I have a, a jazz and gospel show I'm doing online. So, you know, I get a little bit preachy and, <laughs> and then I throw in a little bit of black gospel and jazz and yeah, a lot of fun. Beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. I read that you're also an author and writer. Mm-hmm. Having been a contributing author to a work of short stories, and you were working on a screenplay for that short story you wrote, what was the experience like for you being a contributing author to a book? And what's the name of the book you contributed to? And what's the name of the short story you wrote? So the story is called Bella Figura. Bella figura means a good front or make a good face or, you know, looking good in public. The book of, you know, the compilation book is called Earth Angels. There's 13 stories. I'm one of them. And the process of writing it was, it was very interesting. It uh, stirred my soul because it, it's, it was my story and the story of, you know, thinking I had this wonderful life, but, you know, something my son had said about the way my husband was treating me made me reevaluate, you know, do I want to stay in this marriage? Because if I do, my son will learn that this is how you treat women and my daughter will learn that this is how women should be treated. So I, you know, when I made that decision to leave this relationship, Uh, my whole world came tumbling down. I had no support from anyone. And so in re you know, in, in writing this story, I relived it. Uh, Although it was 20 years ago, it was, it was heart wrenching. It really was. And, but it was also healing at the same time. And when I showed a screenwriter, when I let her read my story, she said, you know what, this would be a great screenplay. So, so I started working on that. And here I am today, second draft. Congratulations. Thank you. Any idea as to when this will be making it onto Uh, the screen? You know what? I give it about three years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's about funding and things like that. And, um, but yeah, I'm also working with an incredible screenwriter by the name of Craig Van Sickle, who's actually a cousin of mine. Who okay. had written the series The Pretender, the murder she wrote, and stuff like oh, that? Yeah. So he's coaching me, so yeah, it's a fun process. Lots of support and help. Yes, and it's a fun process. You enjoying it? Very much so. Yeah, especially during COVID. You know, when yeah. you've got nothing to do, so yeah. I write. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. To date, Maria, what would you say is your biggest tire, your greatest win? You know. There's so many things. I I just always feel lucky when and just fortunate and blessed when something great happens. You know, my children were great when I had my children. When I met my now husband Christopher, you know, that I that's a high. So there's just so many things, Brad. So many. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Wow. I would have to say, you know, positive thinking, believing that you can do whatever and just reinventing myself. I think I have that, I have that skill set to, you know, there's singers that are like just vlogging that same, same 10, 15 songs and they're doing that same show. And I'm like, reinvent yourself, do something (laughs) different, step out of the box. And I've been successful at it. You know, I think there's a, a bit of naivety that I have. You know, I, I just always believe that I can achieve things. And just I just always think that it can happen. And, you know, it goes back to when my dad, something so valuable to me. And and I, I lost my dad. It's six months yesterday. Um, oh, I'm sorry. But 
Yeah, thank you. He said to me, you know, I said to him, Dad, what should I be when I grow up? I think I was 12 years old. And he said, you were born in this country, Maria. You can do anything you want. Anything. And I said, and then I will. And that's why I've done so many things in my life. I love that, though. That's great. I mean, I think that more kids need that value instilled into them and taught to them so that they grow up believing it and just... It becomes ingrained in who they are. It becomes in their DNA and they just strive for everything. They, they, they work at it and achieve it. And because I, I'm, I like you, I believe that we can do anything we want in life. There are no limits. It, it's completely limitless. As long as you set your mind to it and you put in the work, you can achieve it. Yes, exactly. And I have my father to thank for that. You know, because it was because of him yeah. that I've done all that I've done. That's amazing. Yeah. So speaking of success, Maria, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Um, well, you know, Brad, I think success is setting a goal and uh-huh. achieving it, right? No matter yeah. what the goal is, yeah. success is achieving that goal. I love it. Yeah, it's, you know, it could be, I'm going to lose two pounds this week. And you do, and you have been successful. Yeah, you put the work in and you do it. That's right. And that to me is success. Beautiful. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Oh, God, the most important thing I've learned. I think I'm stumped. (laughs) I've learned, I've learned so many, you know, I, I, I don't want to be cliche, but, you know, to love and be loved, to, to accept people the way they are and to be, to be wise, you know, always be on the lookout. And I think every time you fall down from something, when you get up and you must get up, you must look back and, and see why you fell and learn from it that makes you wiser and move on for sure i mean we yeah that's that's it right it's the the ability to be able to when we fall down pick ourselves back up and get at it again and give it another try don't let it get you down don't let it deter you as long yeah. as you you fall down eight times as long as you get up nine times that's that yeah. matters and just give it go back at it and and learn from your mistakes learn from the things that prevented you from achieving what you wanted to achieve and, and use that knowledge to work towards achieving it. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Probably that advice from my dad, you could do anything in the world that you want. And I just, I've always had that with everything that I've started you know, I'm also, I was a private investigator for five years. Is there anything um, that you don't do, Maria? <laughs> I, I really have done a lot of different things, but you yes, know, apparently. <laughs> when I started, I just thought, I'm going to do this. Dad's that. And it, to me, was the most valuable advice. You can do anything, Maria. How was that world of private investigating? <laughs> you know, despite what you see on TV, it's very boring. It's surveillance. I did a lot of insurance fraud, but, but I did do some, some stuff that was a little bit dangerous. I was, I had a gun pulled on me. You know, I was chasing a guy who was cheating with his best friend's 
girl and uh, I started following him. He caught me and pulled a gun on me and I seized so there were, you know, but you know what, Brad, really, that's the only exciting thing that's ever happened in that <laughs> world of private investigating. But, but I was, you know, I was just a tracer and process server. And so, yeah, I have my law enforcement. Oh, that's wow. <laughs> you, don't, you never cease to amaze. <laughs> what makes you feel inspired or like your best self, Marina? I think when I set out to help somebody. And they succeed. You know, I just, I love to watch people succeed. And if I've had anything to do with it, of course, you know, it just fills me, fills my soul. So, yeah, I guess that would probably be my best answer. Yeah, there. I mean, there is, honestly, I don't think there's any better feeling than knowing that you've had impact on someone's life and helped them. Yes. Yes. Feeling. Yeah. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment. Empowerment to me means strength and courage. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will just be one, two, three word answer type things. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? One word, resilient. If you're writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Well, to quote my husband, welcome to life with Maria. (laughs) What's your favorite stress-reducing activity? Probably cooking and singing. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Empathy. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? (laughs) Oh, geez. May cause you to love deeper. I love it. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Making people more accepting of diversity. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? World peace. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? (laughs) This could be the start of something big. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. <laughs> money or fame? I would have to say fame. Okay. Because then you can make money. All right. Early bird or night owl? Definitely early bird. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maria, if you could sit down and have a one hour conversation with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Hands down, Jesus. Okay. I okay. would have so many questions. Why? Why? (laughs) (laughs) The same question. (laughs) Why this? Why that? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. What would you say is your personal motto? I think I have two. One is do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And the other one is he ain't heavy. He's my brother. (laughs) I think there's a song in there somewhere. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? I think it would have to be my dad. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's just, yeah, my dad was resilient. My dad, you know, came from Italy and and just made things happen here in Canada. And despite, you know, a lot of adversity, he succeeded and uh, and he taught us well. Awesome. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? 
You know, <laughs> I've never been asked this many questions. I think you covered it, Brad. All right. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. That means Absolutely. I'm doing my job well. Oh, you are. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Maria, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? I think I would sit her down and I would say to her, you're going to be okay. You're going to do well. Don't worry about things so much. You're a good person and people love you. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Lastly, Maria. If yeah. you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? <laughs> oh, geez. I'd say love and accept one another, be kind and gentle, and there really is the other side. You know, I had this wonderful experience, a near-death experience at the age of six, and I died and crossed over and came back, and yep, oh, wow. there is another side. At six years old? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. Amazing. I bled to death in a hospital. You know, and that lends to my, a a lot of questions that you've asked, a lot of my answers, you know, stem from that experience, right? Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. Maria, this has been such an incredibly wonderful chat. You are, you are such an amazing inspiration with all that you are doing. You, you are an incredible example of you can accomplish anything in life as long as you put in the work and put your mind to it. I mean, look at all that you've done. It is absolutely mind blowing. I love it. You, this, this has been such an amazing conversation. We've had a lot of laughs and yes, you're, you're just, wow. An incredibly inspiring woman. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey and welcome to the empowerography community. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you as part of the community. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you. Well, Brad, you know, I want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity because it almost feels like a rebirth every time I think about these things and it's refreshing. And even during these times of COVID and, you know, I think the questions that you asked me, I think people should, whoever is listening to this should pause after each question and they should ask themselves these questions because it is good. It's refreshing for your soul. Mm-hmm. And it has been a good experience for me. And I want to thank you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Nora. This has been such a thoroughly enjoyable conversation. I've had so much fun. And I just Thanks. want to say I thank you and appreciate you because, like I said, you are an incredible inspiration and, and a testament to showing people that you can do anything you want to accomplish in life. I love it. Thanks, Brad. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. My guest today has been Maria Mana. She is a singer and songwriter based in Victoria, BC. Thank you so much, Maria. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.